0: Problem of the Basin Street Depot. Instead of moving the street's brothels, as his aunt suggested, Worline proposed to erect a wooden screen that would essentially put a wall between the depot and the Storyville side of Basin Street. This proposal, silly as it sounds, actually got as far as the city council. But the aldermen ended up defeating it soundly, seeing it as entirely impracticable. Undeterred, both Worlines vowed to fight on. Other reform efforts on the state level were making better progress. In 1908, the Louisiana legislature passed the so-called Gay Shattuck Bill. Pushed through mainly by conservative elements in the northern parishes of the state, the measure was a comprehensive law that attacked the vice problem on virtually every front, addressing the issues of wine, women, and song. Besides dramatically raising the license fees for selling alcohol statewide, It banned women from patronizing or working in any place where liquor was sold. The law also prohibited the serving of blacks and whites in the same establishment and made musical performances illegal in all saloons. The only exception to these rules was one made for restaurants and hotels where meals were served. But for the vast majority of businesses in Storyville, the law's implications were dire. No more jazz combos at the Arlington Annex, which had no kitchen no more champagne at Lulu White's Mahogany Hall, no more interracial fraternization at the dance halls on Franklin Street if alcohol was being served. In fact, the Daily Item predicted that fully one-half of the bar rooms in New Orleans would be forced into bankruptcy once the law took effect in early 1909. And indeed, Gay Shattuck did put the lid down in the tenderloin, as the newspapers like to say, at least at first. In January, when the new rules were implemented, The Daily Picayune noted with satisfaction that, The saloon men and dive keepers raised a howl which vibrated from one end of the district to the other. The old familiar blast of the trombone and cornet and the accompanying shriek of the clarionet, sick, were not among the attractions to lure the slumber into the saloons and dance halls. But the denizens of Storyville were nothing if not resourceful. Noting the exception in the law for places serving meals, the establishments of the district were soon styling themselves as restaurants. One saloon set up a makeshift tamale stand next to its front door, while many another club owner or saloon keeper unearthed some antique sandwich that could be passed around the room indefinitely as proof of the establishment's culinary bona fides. Exploitation of this loophole, combined with a general lack of enforcement by Mayor Behrman's eminently persuadable police force, meant that it was soon business as usual for most places in the district, at least while no one in authority was watching. For the mayor of Storyville, now in his early fifties and graying into an ever more distinguished-looking middle age, the depredations of the city's reformers were still taking a relatively minor toll on the operations of his empire of sin. The first decade of the district's existence had proved lucrative indeed for him, and Tom Anderson now found himself a very rich man. Growing profits from his various tenderloin businesses were only part of the bounty.